episode number one, part two. Welcome to Under the Influence, the podcast where we talk about our failures, like the one we just had, <laughs> which was, you know, 22 minutes into our podcast and realizing that we stopped recording at around six. Well, you know, hey. that's why we're doing this on a Sunday in the middle of the day. That's part of, uh, it can feed right into our topic for the day, which is motivation. Yeah. How do you stay motivated after, you know, tiny little failures here and there? I And failure is not the right word, but no, hiccups. Yeah, hiccups, yeah. I mean, I think the kind of fear of failure is a big motivator. My nightmare is, is people saying, God, he could have been anything or done anything mm-hmm. and look at him now. And I'm not saying everyone has to like shoot for the moon and yeah. try and do all that, but that's definitely one of my biggest fears and it's what helps motivate me a lot. I'm with you. I always get the... If I run into people from my past, are you still singing? Yeah. It's like, yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> not that it's a, like, I, I, I want, of course I am, you know? Yeah. Anyway, well, so what, uh, with motivation, I feel like you are very self-motivated. I lean more in that direction as well. But what motivates you and kind of where I always think it's amazing to see how motivated you are professionally and personally given where just how how you were brought up where you came from um and I think that's an interesting story and curious where like have you always been curious have you always wanted to be an entrepreneur what what's where does that come from yeah my grand when I was born my grandparents on my dad's side uh, the same year they bought a restaurant and he'd had multiple businesses and I always kind of looked up to the way he did things. Um, I didn't know him as well as I knew my family on my mom's side. But um, I, I always hear people talk about growing up like either poor or having a hard time. And I wonder like, do they have animosity towards the people that helped create that situation? Are they frustrated? Are they thankful that they got out of it and things like that? Like I don't I don't envision my childhood as this like destitute, like it could be a lot worse, Mm -hmm. you know, but my mom was 14 and we lived on our own most of the time. So there wasn't a lot. Um, I definitely saw like other kids in Jordans and, and I always had like a decent pair of shoes, but it was never the new Jordans that came out, you know, it was always like a a tick behind. And I know that sounds like really, really petty, but to me, that's something that I think is why my closet is full of Jordans right now. Mm -hmm. And Uh, I was just going to say it, not that it's you know, it's filtered down a little bit to you want Carter to have have all the things you wish you would have had as a child, too. Yeah. And I, th- I think I, I mean, slash that you still want. want yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, it, you know, when he decides he wants to have Nerf guns, I'm like, yes, let's you know what? This is well, let's go get all the it, Nerf guns. Uh, let's get all the Nerf guns. Let's do the things because, you know, the big kids will play, too. So we're going to get a couple extra. So everyone has one when they come over kind of thing. Um, no, there's that. And I, I had plenty. I had, I had a, I had a, like, I look back on all of it fondly. I feel like I learned a lot of lessons, but you know, obviously I have no relationship with my father and I started to say like that I, I don't know him that well. Like I just literally don't, don't know him. And I see him, well, I haven't in the last five years, but I see him regularly enough throughout my childhood that I would seem to have some relationship, but the fact that one never really developed and it was always in flux, um, just gave me a lot of reminders of things that I, I didn't want to do in my own life when I was a father or really to anyone, which is shitty. I think, I think having kids makes that even worse. Yeah. I'm excited to see how you respond. I'm like, I, I don't 
I don't have a lot of frustration with my, my mom did a kick-ass job. Like we, mm-hmm. at 14, most of us couldn't, didn't, didn't know how to get a ride to, you know, to our girlfriend's house, you know, never mind like taking a child and, and, and doing your best with it. Like it, it's crazy what, what my mom was able to pull off. I'm not talking about how great I am. I just mm-hmm. mean no, absolutely. survival at its, you know, first and foremost. Um, but yeah, no, it was, it, was a, it was a bit of a struggle for me. And I also wanted a lot of those things. I remember thinking in high school, like, I can't believe we still have the same couch we bought six years ago. Mm-hmm. To me, that was insane. Or we had the same TV forever. My uncle got a new TV. He sold me his mm-hmm. old one for $20. I drug it home in the back of my car. It was just to upgrade our situation just a little bit. But I, I like with material stuff aside, I know you've always talked about <laughs> your father being a motivator of what not to do and how quickly, like, did you, have you ever not been that way? I guess is my question of being able to look at people and say, I'm going to do the opposite of that. Like, I know, you know, you haven't, you're in the cannabis industry and you, you chastise people for the first smoking pot in college and didn't touch alcohol and drugs for fear of being linked to your father. Right. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Yeah, I got to I got to watch cops with a lot of my friends and watch them go after my dad, like things like that. Like those were that's an easy lesson, right? Like stay away from the bad stuff so mm-hmm. that cops don't come kicking your door down. Um, that that's like easy lessons. But for me, it was a lot of it was seeing people waste talent, seeing people, you know, unhappy with their situation. Like I just I always felt like you could make something better out of what you had. My grandmother loves telling the story of like me building a table that she had for like 25 years after um, that that I built at five. And it was a three legged table for and she (laughs) kept all like her canned goods on it in, in a closet for years and years and years. And she'd always like take my girlfriends back and say, "Oh, he did that when he was five, and That's she'd cute. want to prove it over and over again that it was <clears throat> that age. Mm-hmm. I was always taking scraps and making stuff and and trying to make something a little better than when I started and I think that that like that just doesn't go away, and if it's applied in the right in the right way you can you can do anything. I was not afraid to make a mistake either right. I think in the cannabis industry, it was so easy for me. And I thought, oh, my God, it's going to be the easiest playing field I've ever been in because everybody that's doing it is either a criminal or doesn't really give a shit. And they've already risked most of their freedom, most of their lives growing pot. And so this is just finally a way for them to cash out on it. For me, I thought, oh, I'll get in now. I will seem like the far and away leader on the on the on the business acumen side where I lack I didn't have a lot of competition. I got to build up a little bit of an armory around me um, and a team to where, you know, lots of mistakes were made, but the profit margins were high back mm-hmm. then and the barriers to entry were also really high. And so I was that outlier that, that it was like the first time I'd felt like everything I'd been doing throughout my life um, kind of like lined up for me and said, take this, this, this shot now and it'll set you up. And, and, um, I don't know how that all relates back to like what my motivations are. I guess my motivation is to like try to go to the moon and back and, and do everything that I possibly can and help as many people around me do the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. And I've never felt like um, Gary Vio says it's not a zero sum game, like someone else's success. It's really hard for musicians to see another musician succeed and not kind of go, yeah, even, even musicians that I've helped or I've backed financially when, when they do really, really well, um, and then I see somebody else do more with less. I kind of like I, it pisses me off. Mm-hmm. And I think like that that's crazy. Or if I haven't spoken to somebody in a couple of years and I look up and they've, they've like gone on to do something pretty impressive, like why I have that little twinge of like, uh, oh, man, I don't know how that person got there. They yeah. don't, you should hear this person or you should hear that person. Right. 
it, it's crazy how quick we are to kind of hate on people. So I'm like right now in this stage of my life, I think one of my like current transitions that I'm motivated to go after is recognizing that, you know, I don't have to hoard trade secrets and, and not share the information with people. Hence why we're having this conversation, I yeah. think. Um, but just push everyone to like take a shot. Mm-hmm. I, I know that if, if you're, well, I'm not going to get like super philosophical and start calling people out that we know, but <laughs> I think there's a lot of people in <laughs> our own philosophical to call people out that you know. Well, I was going to go into like, <laughs> I would have made it so, <laughs> but I think there's a lot of people in our lives who, who have really amazing jobs by their standards that are not happy at all. Absolutely. That's I been, would say most people, to be honest with you. That's been, for some reason, that's always been a motivator for me is seeing like, you know, the, the nine to five grind and in my early twenties thinking like, okay, it's time to grow up. You have to do this now. And it just was not, I wanted to do a good job. But I remember when I left my last nine to five and was lucky enough to go do music full time, eventually get to a place where I can support myself solely on music income, including teaching. Um, but my boss was like, please don't ever take a yeah, nine to five ever again. again because you could see my soul just start to crumble. And so for me, my motivation was I just I, I remember I'd be doing, you know, spreadsheets or something heinously boring, in my opinion, and being like, I just want to go write a song. If I could just write a song right now, that would be the most amazing thing. And so uh, to be able to have the ability and the freedom and the luxury of doing what I'm passionate about when I want to do it is been my biggest motivator. But to be completely honest, a lot of that is expectation, people's expectation of who I, they always thought I would be and yeah. my own expectation of, I think you've done a really good job of helping me redefine what success is. And I think once I'm able to take it off this big pedestal of this big, huge thing that seems so unattainable. What does daily success look like? And what are the small steps I can take to get to my version of success? Even if that changes. And it will. Yeah, it will. Like you did with the the daydream about like, Oh, if I could just write a song, like that's how, when we originally started the business, I looked at the bills and said, if I can get $100 a day for every day that I work, I'll work six days a week as much as it, possibly takes Mm -hmm. and at the end of the month if i could just have that twenty four hundred dollars if i could just leave each shift with a hundred dollar bill i knew i could make it or i I would we sold things and made changes to make sure that we could make it off of that and then i you know it's shortly after that you're like of course you're you're like how can i get that number to 120 Mm dollars a day so i can do the next thing the next thing but for a long time the sacrifice was just to not take anything or anything more than that and keep putting it back because I was betting on myself over and over and over again. And I think like we have to remind ourselves that every morning you, you place a bet on yourself a little bit mm-hmm. and it's, what am I going to do today with the time that I have? And if is it going to, I mean, money is not the motivator for me. It was early. Like I knew that's how much I had to have to be able to go after that dream in that way. So then what is your motivator? Um, I mean, money is a big one. <laughs> it, it is a big one. It's important to me. Um, I, I don't know. I don't feel guilty about that, but I definitely money is a big motivator for me. Um, moreover, it, it's like what you can do with it. I, I I like helping people. I think the biggest frustration in in like all of the cannabis industry is like really shooting to the top early. I mean, there was a lot of money mm-hmm. made in those early years, and because it was kind of like shooting fish in a barrel, it was it was a lot of fun, and we I kind of felt like truly then felt like the, the the stupid king of cannabis thing. Yeah. Like that term is being thrown around now. But I felt like that 10 years ago. Right. Now I feel like a really solid player. I think I have the most unique perspective in the entire industry. Right. 
Um, most humility, obviously. Absolutely. <laughs> but no, I, but I also don't hoard that information. No, and I, I, and I, you know, I try to, I try to like help as many people as possible. And I don't look at, well, we've got people that started in our company, you know, just a year and a half ago as delivery drivers that are kind of on my hip and, and a big part of our go forward plan. And, you know, I couldn't tell you whether or not he's got a degree. Yeah. No idea. I don't care. Right. He's he's got a degree in running around with me for the last year and trying to keep up with all the unknowns. Yeah. And like that to me is one of my proudest moments. And I have twenty of those, and those don't always work out, or right. they go on to do other things. Um, uh, that's one thing I've noticed too. I mean, obviously you're motivated and smart enough to pick a phenomenal wife now. Yeah. And um, but one of the things that I love about you and that I see on a daily basis is your motivation is tied up in. How can I be so successful that I can make the people around me, the people both professionally in your in your company and our friends and family, how can I set them up to be mm-hmm. just as successful? And so that's a little, one of the motivators I see just being married to you. And that's also, I think, what makes you a good boss and a good um, entrepreneur and just innovator in, in your way because – it's not selfish. It's not, I just want to make all this money because I want to make the money. It's, I want to make, I want to make as much money as I can to make the biggest impact that yeah. I can. Well, and if this gets to a big enough point, like that's where you can, you can hire someone like Luke. Luke Demke does mm-hmm. um, videography and stuff. And oh, he does, he's done some of Susan's videos. Yeah. He's really, really talented. And he's somebody who I talk to all the time about really developing out actually under the influence. Like I really think of him as part of that group already. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course there, there are a number of other people that kind of fall into that same category, but he's somebody where I think like the next step, all I've got to do is move this up one peg and I can justify bringing him on. And yep. then the, the inclusion of him gives us the ability to bring on a couple of interns who then now we can say, hey, there's somebody that's actually dedicated training these kids. Because that's one of the things we've looked at is, you know, not just making sure like we're giving people money, but how do we share this information and how do we, you know, get access to, to talented folks um, that really get the industry or get the kind of this new movement and focusing on colleges and, and things like that, like finding some young folks. Um, and you mentor a lot of young I love it. musicians. And so you have that in your sphere. But I always think if we can move this up one peg, there's two or three more people we can bring into the fold. We get it up another one. Same mm-hmm. with music, right? If you get big enough, you can put a friend on by letting mm-hmm. them open for you. And then when they're big enough to let one of your friends, you build this network. That's one of the things that I'm probably the most proud of, of the Seattle community, especially the women, the Sarah Gerritsen and Nikki Barron and these people that create these communities of women. We all know each other. We see each other at shows anyway. But to actually spend the time to plan something to get together and say, how can we help each other out? How can we share information? Yeah, you guys are far more organized than the, than the dudes are for sure. <laughs> yeah. in, in like that. how can we rise up together? Um, and that's even shockingly even you know cross very different varying genres too yeah um but that's a motivator for me too and when you see other other people other women other people that you root for succeeding i i I, just it seems way more fun than just trying to step on somebody to get to the top yeah i'm curious like who the next and this is not a shot at alan alan stone but Mm -hmm. But maybe sort of or Macklemore, like of the of I feel like when the next um, female artist from Seattle like really hooks up, mm-hmm. there's a little entourage that has comes, there been that comes around. Brandy uh, Carlisle, Brandy Carlisle. I mean, there's there's actually quite a few, but it's not. Um, I guess like I want to the see, next pop. Uh, yeah, or, or, yeah. I want to say like who brings somebody along with them mm-hmm. as opposed to you know. So yeah, if, yeah, you know, you yeah. can see like if if 
I don't know General Mojo's music very well, but I, I think Heather Thomas is a great drummer mm-hmm. and has like a really cool Seattle vibe. Um, who, if if she continues to like take her social game up and and gets a little more comfortable on camera like she really has like this unique vibe because oh, yeah. how many female drummers are there oh, that are on her level there's lots of them but she's definitely talented and, and played drums on Susan's record like full disclaimer she's she's a, she's really cool but she at the end of the day she's connected to some groups I don't know a lot about but if they really hooked up like will they bring her along will will she bring you know her friends and family i think i'd like to think so mm-hmm. but i feel like with alan and macklemore like because those two were already kind of tethered together they came up and and i i haven't seen them pay it forward as much to the local community as i thought they would mm. and i could be totally wrong yeah well macklemore does the the, the camp and stuff at EMP. I feel like he definitely, and he's actually engaged at a lot of like, he did like the pop-up show at Numo's. Yeah, I have to take all that back. Yeah, yeah. I think Macklemore's super involved. I think he is too. I guess I just haven't seen anyone like. And he's put, a, like Mary Lambert he put on. Yeah. He brings people. He does bring it a little bit. Yeah. yeah. That's that's one of the downsides of a podcast is you've got to dump something <laughs> out there and walk it back. But I guess I, I should have just we been more specific checker. and said what I wanted to say because Alan's a friend and I think he's an ama- like one yeah. of the kindest human beings on earth. I think for the betterment of his career, he's tapped into people on a global level mm-hmm. and he does a lot of work, crossover work with them, and he does help people on the come up. There's no question about it. And like right. some Alan, I think, could kind of tap a few people on the shoulder in Seattle yeah. market and say, hey, you've got my blessing here. Mm-hmm. Maybe he doesn't even know that he wields that kind of power. <laughs> <laughs> but. Well, and back to the definition of success, we don't even know whether he could be sitting there like me, like, well, what's next? Sure like, he is. And sure he is. Uh, I think one of the biggest things that shifted my vision or view and motivation or view of success is realizing that the things – the goals I thought were huge, I do them. And there's really, it's awesome. I'm grateful for that experience, but it doesn't change my career overnight. There's no, I think growing up in the nineties, we had this notion that, oh, somebody discovers you and that's it. And we're sitting here waiting, you know, well, I did this thing. Why is nobody? I think that's harder Mm -hmm. than not having it. The want of something big to happen is a desperate feeling, but having it happen and be unfulfilling and being what's next, that gap, I think gets bigger each time you do that. Mm -hmm. And it feels, and that's where I like, for example, if you were in Alan Stone's shoes and everybody in Seattle drops Alan's name, so you can't go anywhere without somebody Mm -hmm. who knows him. And so we're doing the same thing right now, but he is, he is a friend to both of us and was before we knew each other. I think for him to have signed a major deal and been in the position where he's got Bruce Floor managing him with at one of the largest independent management labels in the world. It might be the largest in the I world. I think it is, yeah. And and to think that they don't want Alan to succeed in the wildest of measures mm-hmm. would be crazy and that he wants to succeed. He's not going to sell his soul to do it, but they definitely want to play the game and, and build on it. And to have done Daryl's house and toured with them it, and done all all of the things that he's done, and he's met virtually everyone you could ever hope to meet in the industry. Mm-hmm. There's still no one that taps him on the shoulder and says, you're next, kid, and they walk you out onto right. the big stage and your song's played on Even every station. if you're performing at the Grammys one year, who's to say people won't forget about you in two years? And I think that's that's a key to remember, too, is to have those goals. But for me, once I did my big goals and realizing, like, 
this is kind of empty. Like it's awesome, but because, it doesn't change anything. And it's that moment when you first release it that's a high for you, and mm-hmm. like the excitement of is anyone going to listen to it? But much like podcasts and video, like what will eventually kind of steal from Gary Vee and pitch to to people that are listening and friends and family is. You just keep doing it, doing it, doing it. Like I'd put up a stupid post and make do something that's goofy. Like that doesn't stick with me forever. Mm-hmm. Like the next thing I put out washes that down the river a little bit, mm-hmm. and you, you get better and better and better. And and people will watch that progress and growth. And like as long as it's an honest path that you're on, mm-hmm. people will get down with it. It's when. And so I feel like you 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 got to just keep doing it, and that's mm-hmm. where musicians like some have, and you you decided to make this shift a while ago. But this idea of building up an album and that there's all this suspense, and then we're just mm-hmm. waiting for your big day when you're going to release album. Um, I don't I don't care. No, I, well, and it's subjective. It's art. So I was getting frustrated because I'm like, well, who's to say this song? Is- I don't want your sad bastard ballad on February 24th <laughs> at midnight. You no. know, like I don't like that's when I'm. It just just. Put the content out. Get it yeah. out there. This should be a song coming out from every but artist every I, month. Let me finish my Well, thought. I'm pissed. <laughs> it was that that was getting so frustrating for me. Is I would do all this work and put this effort in, and it, it seemed just it would stay in the same pool, stay in the same pond. And I was like, I don't know how long I can keep doing this. What has been a major shift and huge motivator for me is realizing that music is just a piece of it and I need to look at building my brand and my presence and what I really want to do in a and what's going to be marketable and what's going to and what's quantifiable. Once I was able to get statistics back of what people what content people like across multiple platforms, that was motivating for me to be like, cool, people like when I do these type of covers, so I'm going to explore that a little bit more. And it, it was so satisfying to kind of get that feedback and you can only get that in the space we're in now which we're so lucky to be a part of which is people are engaging with content and telling us in comments in youtube videos youtube subscribers like what what they like well my my boneheaded way of looking at things was was I looked when James Bay's last album came out. I was like, "Well, I can't believe he already put it up for free on YouTube. Listen to it anytime you want. Even put a video with almost every single track." Mm-hmm. And I thought, "Man, well, how many record sales is he losing?" Like it didn't account in my head that he's getting thirty-five million views right. on you know two, each song. Yeah, or, or one's getting thirty-five, okay. and the rest are all getting half a million. But he's drawing pretty significant revenue from just that stream. Um, probably more so than he would any other platform. So if he's going to focus on one, like do the one that actually pays him mm-hmm. for, you know, based on the amount of plays on a, on a little bit more of a fair basis. And, and next to Google, YouTube is the biggest search engine. Yeah. And so even I like to ask some of my younger, I'm not teaching a ton anymore, but I like to ask my younger, you know, high school age students, like where do they find music? Yeah. What new artists are they into? And a hundred percent of the time, it's YouTube. It's only YouTube. It's only the whole YouTube is the whole damn world. And I, I firmly believe that even everyone's social media will eventually just be like this this YouTube channel that's mm-hmm. borderline a living reality show. Yeah. Um, and it seemed ludicrous ten years ago. But one of the things I want to say to artists like that are about their content and the reason why we're not I'm not trying to push everyone saying like you know going out and busking and like doing tons of shows and working really hard and setting an album that's up. Absolutely but part of it. It's part of it. But yeah. but like another Kickstarter that says hey if I can raise four. $4,500. That's going to give me X amount of hours at this studio. I'm going to release an album. You'll get a free copy of it February 29th, 2022. You know, and, and just all of the what ifs and maybes and just keep doing it the same way over and over. It's the same 25 people doing it over and over and over. By the third album, you're like, I can't. 
Yeah. I, and I don't want to pre-buy another record. It just feels like I'm donating to your cause of, of making music. I, I think just realizing that with YouTube and social media, people that can sing have a, have a, a, almost a, a unique ability to take advantage of the platform because if I go on and say, hi, guys, I'm really funny and I want to tell three jokes and try and sell you the microphone that I'm, uh, I just used, I look like a douchebag. Yeah. But if you come on and do a really great cover and at the end you say, hey, I want to thank you know, XYZ for, for sponsoring this or I want to thank Yamaha for giving me a 15% discount on the keyboard so I can continue to make new music mm-hmm. and check this out. I want to show you a new feature. Yeah, you branded that and you, you might have got compensated for it, but you're also offering something up in exchange mm-hmm. where, you know, as, as musicians, you guys can sing a song anytime you want. And just that in and of itself is a draw to go watch. And the fact that you can take advantage of the fact that you actually have something to contribute every time that's, that's, that's good, hopefully, or to someone it's probably good mm-hmm. or they wouldn't be watching. The fact that you can do that and then start cross-branding that and building something out of it that is more than just about your music is mm-hmm. is huge. And to me, it, it's opened it up. It hasn't – I felt so limited in the past like, oh, I'm getting older or, or I'm having a baby. This is going to derail what I want to do career-wise. I can't be on the road. I can't be living that lifestyle anymore, you know, out till 2 a.m. And, and all those things. But then realizing – but if I change what I'm doing, if I market myself as a brand and with the music as a part of it, like I and dig into my writing and influencing, like the the options are endless. It doesn't matter what my personal life is doing because it, there's platforms for whatever we're going through. And if you're if you're if if your goal is to be a singer, mm-hmm. the the best thing you could do is take advantage of that skill set and try to like create other revenue streams using that skill set so that before you know it, you look at them and go, yeah, I guess I'm not singing on stage every night, but I'm making a little revenue from videos. Mm-hmm. I've got some ads. I get some and discounts and, and, and doing it in sweatpants. <laughs> exactly. So let me, let me ask you this question because I don't think you're ready for this one. Okay. Do you ever, are you ever not motivated? No. I definitely get unmotivated and kind of in my head about stuff. Is unmotivated a word? I don't know. Yeah, if I mean, it is. well, the, so, the, the loss of motivation. The loss of motivation. And, but for me, it's usually just like what I feel like doing in the moment. So I, I, guess, get, I get frustrated, but yeah. I, I don't think that that's like, cha- like challenging my motivation. So, what do you do then for people that do struggle with lack of motivation at times? What keeps you constantly motivated? How do you look at failure as another? Um, stepping stone to get to where you want to be is that just more of your personality, or do you? Is there any sort of thing that you do? Well, what do, I just feel like what, embracing the the lack of motivation in any way, shape, or even recognizing it mm-hmm. is like that should be it. Like if you recognize that you're lacking motivation. I don't look at things as tightly defined as that and say, wow, I'm unmotivated right now. I, a lot of times I'll say, hey, I needed this break for just a minute. And it's like being sick, like lay down, rest mm-hmm. for two days and come back with your ass on fire. You right. know, so I, I, I feel like sometimes just saying like, hey, if, if I'm lacking motivation, like maybe it's because I just need a break. I need to focus on something else for a little while. But I, I don't really see it as like kind of kind of like failures, you know, mm-hmm. like, well, I, I remember, you know, a deal with a major company, probably, well, they are the biggest company in the industry right now, um, in the cannabis industry. And I had a big role to play in their early success. And when that fell apart, um, I knew we could, we could salvage. I knew if I would have probably been a little more flexible, we probably could have come away with something or at least we're entitled to something from them. Um, got in the car, started it. And we're like, 
on to the next one. I lost millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. And I, I, didn't, I didn't have millions of dollars. I still don't have millions of dollars that I could lose and it not be a big deal. Um, but it was one of those situations where I knew that the next opportunity was right behind it. And everything I've done since then, I've been better and sharper. And I've built upon my losses many, many times over. And I'm, I'm just not afraid to take the risk. I won't mm-hmm. spend any time. See, that's a skill I had to learn. Because I remember in college, like doing a singing competition, getting to the finals, and then losing. And I mean, I granted, I'm a tad more dramatic than you. But I remember like, sulking in my friend's bed for two days and just eating and chilling out and being like, well, that was that I'm so sad. And I don't I think now either learning from you or just growing up a bit, knowing that those don't really mean anything that they aren't really failures. But I think there are, I don't know, maybe it's more of a girl thing. But like, when people want to kind of, I don't know, feel it and then kind of use it as an excuse to not go after the next thing, like realizing how much of a waste of time that is and realizing that you're not the only person that has ever fallen down and skinned your knee and that you can't, if you don't get up and start running again, you're going to stay down there forever. And see, I I hear that like sound competition or losing the singing competition. I immediately say, and now I'm out on social media and I'm I'm putting up flyers that say a a finalist in X, Y, Z is performing tonight at whatever, whatever. Granted, it was a, no, I, I, a handful of years ago. It was, yeah, it was yeah, a long time now, ago. But no, today, but in, in that same but in that same in that same realm, like you, you would if you leave and you say like, Oh, I lost this, you know, you say, No, I was a finalist in yeah. this event and you can use that. You Absolutely. Know? And no one's ever gonna go, Oh, you I see here you put that you're you you were a finalist, yeah. so you didn't win. Well look at all of the Every, everyone we've known who's been in the top 10 of The Voice. Yeah. Like, it's never like they lost The Voice. It's like voice contestant so-and-so yes. is doing this and this. And it's like now, again, going back to the luxury of being in the time that we are, we can utilize every single experience, win or loss, as a marketing play and, and a way to legitimize our brand, what we're trying to do, and use it to push the next thing. I, I think it's amazing. And I think like as long as what you're doing is something you you firmly believe in, like mm-hmm. I think people saying like, well, I don't want to monetize. Yes, you do want to monetize your music. Like you want to be able to do more of it. You want to have the freedom to do it as much in any way you you want. You absolutely do. People have no problem monetizing their music by teaching some young right. snot nosed kid how to play guitar <laughs> or play drums or keyboard or whatever your skill set is. But this idea of like you know knocking your brand or doing something that might seem like a little bit of a shill for something. Mm-hmm. Um, or coordinated posts with and I think wineries a, and events that you're doing, like, and that's a little bit of like a Seattle, like the Seattle personality with music is. Yeah, because I think in LA they'll sell their soul. Absolutely, for five and in Seattle time. in particularly, I think there's a lot. There's not. There's no industry here. There's no, you know. There's very very few labels. Very few. There's and no labels, management. I don't even know what that means that's anymore. That's not like, even I, a thing anymore. If anything comes out of this, I would like to let's stop pretending like labels are out looking for people. Let's stop pretending like they can. There's any like there's one thing we're going to get discovered and one person is, can take you to the top. Yeah, it yeah. doesn't exist. Well, and it's just a waste of time to mm-hmm. think like if I wanted to build a business, I'm like, well, I'm just going to wait till someday I'm going to be in a coffee shop with my binders all open and a rich guy's going to see me <laughs> and he's going to go, you know what? I'm going to finance that project. I'm going to I'm going to help you take that company public Mm -hmm. and we'll go out and get you another 10 billion dollars yeah what in the fuck kind of delusion is that like if that was what you're doing with your business people would think you're a psycho that was like uh alec baldwin he on his show when he's talking about the entertainment industry and and 
I forget who his guest was. They're talking about how he was everywhere all of a sudden. And he was like, the he was astonished by the amount of people who think who sit at home in their apartment. And be like, if so, like like there's a committee yeah, that decides that people. comes to their door and say, "Hey, we're here now. We're we're gonna make you successful." We were thinking, who would be sitting at home, but who would be really funny if we could get them out doing things. Yeah. Like it's like that doesn't exist yet. So many people think that that's how it works, myself included, for a long time. Yeah. Well, I think just asking the next time someone says that, you just ask the question like, who, who's the last artist you've heard of that that's happened for? Yeah. And what are they doing right now? Right. Like, and some of the biggest artists in the world can't even do things to put themselves back on. Like Jason Mraz is doing wonderful things as a human being and like amazing, but he's not having the same commercial success. And it's not because he doesn't want it. Right. He still desperately wants, he's going to do great with the proceeds, but like he doesn't have a switch that he can flip. And you know how many people are out there are saying like, I know Jason Mraz's manager. Mm -hmm. I want, I, if I I could get my son in a meeting with him, he could do all the same things. You know how many other artists that managers got on the side hustle trying to put on right now and can't do it. Mm -hmm. And and with little to no funding because labels don't have any money anymore. It's like, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I think like, um, Devon Terrell and the guys, and I think he's like let up a little bit on what mm-hmm. was really making him successful or at least connecting with me was just a constant stream of, of cover songs and originals that were mixed in and just blitzing with content, staying super engaged, mm-hmm. always being fun and entertaining. And, I, you, you know, he feels like a friend and I've never met him. Right. And like his management group, they're all, you know, they're they're the opposite of a lot of the Seattle musicians. Like they're looking for every opportunity they can. They're they're finding sponsorships around every angle and and pushing the hell out of their I think that's like the hip hop game. That's one group mm-hmm. that 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 never doubts. They never get focused. You never have to try and convince somebody that wants to be a rapper <laughs> no. that like the job they have is good and they right. shouldn't. Ju- like uh, Redhead is a great example. Like he is a um, he is one. He's obviously he's really talented mm-hmm. and and I love him. He's like a little little brother. But he definitely is somebody who has worked for me in the past. And I never thought like, well, I'm going to invest a lot of time and energy in, in red because, you know, in a few years he'd be, he could like manage this whole thing. <laughs> I'm not saying he can't. Right. It was like, it was so obvious that that was never going to be yeah. like, he would never settle for that. He might do the job for three years, but he's almost willing to say, I don't want any more than this because I don't want to be distracted from what I'm really doing. Right. I want, I want to, I want to do this. Like he has no problem with motivation, no problem with motivation. <laughs> and, and I think another person who, if they kind of moved off of this, you know, fuck everybody who is, isn't there for me or never saw this coming and moved to a thank you to everyone who has been there. Mm-hmm. And thank you for like his message, that, that message of like, not him, but the hip hop industry's message, like Meek Mill has turned that on its head. Right. And Cause you look and, at the difference between Meek Mill and like 50 cent and Gambino. And, yeah. yeah. And the kind of, just the kind of bullshit that they get sucked into and that I would I'm embarrassed that they're putting out there you or how know how much just general shit talking they're doing about yeah. everybody that's there like not to go full well, but- and the younger generation you don't see that like even teenage rappers that I that I know yeah, or follow now are sitting aware. there talking about being mental health yes, and, yeah, and impactful therapy, yeah. and thanking their their couple hundred followers because it means so much to them like I really do the more I see the younger community come up and how they treat themselves and other people, that's what gives me like hope for the future. But I think because seeing that trend and being excited about it, it's so obvious when people older are still acting the same way yeah. and trying to be like hard for their fans or what, whatever. There's a changing of the guard. And I, like, I have a beef with Snoop. <laughs> it's not it, 
It's not real. I've, I've done like I've given him a lot of product over the years and done events and helped out with that. He wouldn't know me from Adam, so I'm mm-hmm. like it's not a real beef. But I mean, I, I I follow him and he's touched on so many things and he's in a lot of the same industries that that I am. And like as a young like trying to figure it out, I thought, oh if I could get a hold of somebody like Snoop, if he was kind of like the person that would tap me on the on the shoulder in the music industry and say, wow, let me show you how it works. Yeah. That was my delusion. Moving like to now, I think he does a really good job of doing great things for certain communities and really being outspoken but then and, and talk about love and positivity and mm-hmm. being this really with great person team and stuff. yeah but then he follows it up with like a really shitty post where he's like kind of making fun of people or taking cheap shots mm-hmm. and 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 I, I can't really figure out what it is like which, which part one of those is he inauthentic wants to be. yeah and, and it feels like if you're going to be a dick like 50 cent is just a dick to everybody and he's you know, I deleted him because I thought it was funny for a while, and I just felt like it was just so much toxicity mm-hmm. that I just didn't want to have that. I don't want to even see that. And and most of I don't even go to Facebook anymore. It's like either an ad or somebody complaining about something mm-hmm. or fighting fighting over politics. Yeah. yeah, and it's Instagram. Like you're free from all that, and and it's it's usually if it's not something that's beautiful to look at, you can skip over it really right. easy. But he's like incorporating that and and finding a way to take a very kind of safe space to be in as far as just it not being a negative experience and making it almost entirely negative. So yeah. I got rid of him. Um, got rid of him. I deleted him. I'm sure his... Good you for know, you, he, Jake. He's down to 51,499,994 now. Got him. So I think to wrap wrap this up, wrap wrap up our first our first uh, podcast, Under the Influence, What what have you learned about motivation this year? I think what I've learned about motivation is that, that it, it does come and go a little bit. But if you are doing something that you love, it's not hard to find. It may slow down a little bit from time to time, but um, I inevitably will get hit with like a, a surprise meeting or, or like yesterday, I got a call um, about a CEO that wanted to come out and talk about a project. This is somebody that has a multi-billion dollar company and a net worth uh, of nearly $3 billion. And What's your they, net, net, net worth? Yeah. And they said, hey, w- we want to come Monday. And I was like, there, there was no possible way I could make it happen, but there's also no possible way I could say no. Right. And, and having that and just that not happening could have been really disappointing for me. Um, and having to push it out a couple of weeks, uh, it, like that to me, like maybe the opportunity missed itself. And mm-hmm. it's, it was a redefining moment for what I've been working on, or at least lead me to it. And when it didn't happen, I thought, now I'm given this gift of two weeks where I can be so fucking motivated to get everything lined up, teed up and be ready. And I would have been ready for it to happen on Monday. Like mm-hmm. we would have gave a hell of a pitch and we would have had a project. We would have closed a deal and be headed into next month and into a new state and on to much bigger things. But to be given those two weeks, I felt like I got a free gift and like that re-inspired my motivation. But I wasn't lacking motivation. I, it just right. refocused it on this specific Well, it's project. like with me, if I feel like I haven't been focused on music, I'll book a show. Yeah. So I know no matter what, Pressure's I've on. got to put put the work in and... And I'll always learn something from it. Okay. I think we'll do this. We're going to aim for weekly. Yeah, we'll aim for weekly. We're going to add a lot of, a lot of interesting people to I'm the mix as well. I'm excited for the guests. I think, yeah, I think the guests, this was a literally a trial run for those eight of you that stayed all the way through to the end. Mm-hmm. We appreciate eight. it. Eight, that's... I'm already be like a lot. Said, that's shooting for the moon yeah, here. Yeah, shooting for the moon. No, you're, we're asking for, you know, 45 minutes of people's time and, yeah. and without a lot of structure. But we wanted to just get the process down, make the mistake that we did, and then mm-hmm. get to redo a big chunk of it. But um, I think, you know, we've got some some athletes and entertainers and people with even more interesting uh, lives than we have to oh, yeah. kind of share their experiences. Yeah. And then we've got, a you know, a political savant 
and uh, attorney Coming who will up. be a, a regular guest on the show. Mm-hmm. And we'll be posting this. If you don't know where to find this or any of my other content, go to susangmusic.com. Follow me and Jake on Instagram. Susan G Music is me on Instagram. Legal Out West is Jake. So feel free to go there. That's where you're going to get the most information of where to follow us, what we're up to, and new episodes of Under the Influence. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Go be motivated. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the like button. Like this video. Hit all the buttons. Do all the things. I'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. We'll talk to you soon.